Well, I wanted to read a, a scripture to you, but I want to read it out of the Message Bible, the first scripture. It's, it this says it so well, and it's Romans 5, uh, verse 1 through 2, and it's, it's just an incredible two verses in the Bible. It's, and I like the way the Message Bible really brings it out. Uh, it says, By entering through faith into what God, ha- what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with Him. Make us fit for Him. We have it all together with God because of our Master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that He has already thrown open His door to us. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand. Out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. Isn't that wonderful the way that says that? And, you know, Romans 5 is a, sort of a beginning of a thing that goes through, you know, Romans 5, 6, 7, 8, some pretty profound stuff in the Bible. Uh, but if, if you, I, the reason this verse caught my heart was it really has in it a lot of elements of things that I feel that God really wants to release to us. Uh, I believe, first of all, it says by entering through faith, I think God really wants to release a new revelation, a new understanding of true faith. I really do. I mean, I think probably everybody who's been a believer very long has heard faith messages, etc. But I believe that God has something fresh for us about faith. And uh, I just believe that He wants to release that to us. And then it talks about us opening our doors to God only to discover that God's already opened His doors to us. And remember when I shared a couple months ago back, you know, we're you know, about heaven being opened and that God wants to open heaven to people. Uh, but really, heaven is already opened. It's open now. Jesus said it in John 1, chapter, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse, I think it's verse 51 or verse 52, where He says, You will see heaven opened, Nathaniel, and you will see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And the Lord opened heaven at that moment, and it's never been closed. The problem is, is our doors have been closed. And remember, I gave you the illustration of how, you know, sometimes you can rent motel rooms and there's a door between these two rooms. And you can open the door to your room, but the door to the other room, you're seeing the back of the door to the other room, is closed. Y'all, y'all know that, right? Well, that's the way it works. Is we, when we open the door to our motel room of life, we open it, we're going to find that God's door is already open to us. He's already there waiting at that door, waiting for us to uh, open to Him. That's why it says, I stand at the door and knock. He's there on the other side of the door wanting to open Him, you know, for us to open to Him so that He can begin to release. And, and as He says, we throw open our doors to God and, and discover at the same moment that He has already thrown open His door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand. It's just full of, of life here, full of what God has for us, that we find ourselves in the very place that we've always desired. Has anybody got any spiritual dreams this morning of where you'd like to see yourself spiritually? Is that any? Doug, thank you. Hallelujah. You've got one person in here who's got spiritual dreams. How about the rest of you? That's <laughs> ah, three or four more. I'm glad we got three or four people here. We find ourselves standing where we always hope we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. So there's, you know, two, you know, grace and glory 
in praise, worship. So there's, there's faith, there's, you know, uh, the heavens opened, there's grace, there's glory, and there's praise. I mean, good gracious, I mean, that's sort of a summation of Christianity, isn't it? Isn't that a summation of what we desire to be in, to walk in, to really have this kind of Christian walk that's not normal, that's, that's supernatural, that's full of grace, that's full of glory, full of faith, full of seeing God open to us? I mean, that's really what God has for us. Um, so that was a great message, wasn't it? <laughs> um, I particularly wanted to talk to you, cause I want to talk to you about all these things, honestly. I think God wants to talk to us about all of them. But I'm going to just talk about two of them. First of all, grace and glory. Uh, because I believe grace and glory, you know, that's really where God wants us to stand. And grace and glory, really, if you... This is what I'm seeing about grace. I, I was listening to a guy preach yesterday on television. And I was saying, you know, that guy is preaching a grace message almost. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he really... He was saying some wonderful stuff, but he didn't really know what he was saying. I mean, I could tell he didn't really have a true revelation of grace. He was just teaching some doctrine... Uh, but it was good doctrine. It was wonderful doctrine. But one thing I've learned about the grace of God, you know, in the few years that God has truly given me real revelation about His grace, is it is, it is profound. And it is something that we will spend our lives searching out and walking in. And, and the thing that I have felt recently is that, you know, Becky was even telling me, you know, a couple of years ago I went and preached this message on grace to some ladies, and I didn't even... I knew very little then of what I was really talking about. There's so much more to it. A revelation of grace. Uh, but one of the things that I've felt in my heart recently is, is concerning the glory of God. God's glory and how it works with grace. And that's why I was just so touched by the way he said it here, that we would stand in grace and glory. I believe one thing is they work together. Is God's grace and God's glory work together. They come together. Uh, in the spiritual realm. And I believe in, in, in one sense, on one sense only, though, this is not fully, but in one sense, is you really need God's grace to be able to walk in God's glory. Because God gives grace to the humble, right? That's how you really come into grace, is by humility. You come into it. This is what, one of the things you can't, you can never make yourself weak enough to want grace. Because you, the real truth is you're already weak. You already need grace. You know, but, and you can't convince yourself enough. You just have to tell God, I, I just, the truth is I am weak. Truth is I can't do it, God. Truth is, you know, you, you're requiring things of me I could never do apart from your grace. That's the truth. Whether you feel that way, you may not feel that way this morning. You may feel strong this morning. You may feel like you've got it together this morning. Maybe you feel like you've read the Bible and you've uh, prayed and you've got it all together as a Christian and you feel like you deserve from something from God. Well, you're going the opposite direction. You're going the opposite direction. The grace of God says this. Well, He just gives grace in whom He will. I remember I was in a church. I won't tell you which church it was, but I knew every person on this worship team personally, and I was watching them, and God was extremely moving through these people. He was, and I was, I was amazed that God was using these people. I said, God, everyone, I know these people. I know their problems. I know their issues in their life. They're messed up people. Every one of them got some pretty serious issues in their life. And the Lord said, but that's my grace at work. My grace is sufficient for people who don't have it together. That's what grace is. It's for the weak. If you're in a Christianity that says you've got to be strong, then you're in the wrong deal here, baby. You're in the wrong deal. You don't have to be strong because you're really not. You're really not. 
And I believe if we're ever going to stand in the real glory of God, we need to come to a place where we really have the grace of God operating in our life, which means somewhere in your life you've come to a place of humility and truth with God, that you've humbled yourself. Are you all with me? You know, I wish I could be one of these modern preachers, but I can't. (laughs) You know, this is really the truth about grace. You know, we've heard that your gifts can put you in a place where your character can't keep you. Y'all have heard that statement? You know, you find some young person who's just gifted, and you know they're, going, they're headed for trouble because they're, they're so gifted, they're, they're going to be exalted beyond measure. Well, guess the grace of God is what really keeps you. Who wants to spend trying the rest of their life trying to develop some sort of self-character to keep them? That's just not biblical. It's the character of God in you that keeps you. And that's really what God wants to do, is He wants to promote people beyond their measure, beyond their, their natural character. Because your natural character will fail you eventually. Some favorite verses on grace, Galatians 2.20. Uh, these are some of my personal favorite verses. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It's no longer I who live. That's what Paul said. I mean, good gracious, if he said it. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith. Let me see that. You see that word that says in right there? Well, he didn't catch that. Of is the right word. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Of is a bigger word than in in that verse. And that's literally, it's of. You're not living by faith that you have. You're living by his faith. Who won't, you know, if you really feel like you've got to build your faith up and work your faith out and get it somewhere, well, you're making a huge mistake. What you need is his faith operating. Because I think Jesus has got more faith than everybody in this room times a thousand over. And that's really how true faith really works. It's his faith that operates in us and is released out through us. He says, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul was saying, this is my secret. This is the, the, the secret to Christian living is God doing it in you. God living his life through you. That really is the secret. That's the revelation. That's really what, that's what the revelation boils down to. It's not trying to trust God. It's not trying to do right. It is simply trusting Him. Uh, you know, but instead of trusting God, most Christians, I'm talking about Christians, but most Christians have got so obsessed with their desire to please God. Their desire, they're, they're upset, they're obsessed and, and, and distracted by their Bible reading, their worship, how much they give, what they do. Everything's based upon themselves and what they do, that they've got distracted from God Himself. And they're walking down the road of Christian life, and this is this person that's standing right before them, and they miss this person. That's what, that's what Paul said the Jews did. That's why he said Christ was a stumbling block. That, you know, the very person they were seeking was there before them, and, he, and they were walking down this path, path of life, and they stumbled over him. He was in their way, so to speak. Jesus got in the way of the Jews. Well, Jesus is in the way of many Christians. Instead of Him being the way, He's in their way. He's in our way. When we're doing it on our own, Jesus is in our way. That's really the truth. But He wants to be the way. He wants us to, you know, instead of we walk down this path of life and we find this rock, this huge rock in our path blocking us, instead of fighting that rock, instead of stumbling over that rock, we need to know that rock is the way. That's Him. He's come to us. But most people don't do that. Most Christians don't do this. Most Christians tend to be legalistic and religious. The truth. That's the truth. And most Christians do not tend to have a revelation of grace. 
Most Christians have a revelation of salvation by grace, but that, it pretty much ends there. Get saved by grace, and now all right, here's what you need to do. Read your Bible every day, pray every day, give money, go to church, be nice, don't cuss, don't drink, don't do any of those things. And you'll be a good Christian. That is the biggest lie. That's a lie from hell, this, I'm telling you. None of those things make you a good Christian. They really do not. That's deception. That's religion. And that's the same thing that Paul was trying to address in Galatians and Romans and Colossians and Ephesians. He was trying to address those things and say, that's not the way Christianity is supposed to work. It's Him. And if He's living His life through you, you're going to be nice. You're not going to cuss. You're not going to drink. You're not going to do those things because He's doing it in you. He releases the desires in you. Your job is simply to surrender yourself to Him, give Him lordship of your life, and obey Him. He's done the work. And He's saying, if you'll step into what I've done, then you can live this Christian life. Otherwise, you're going to be a frustrated, miserable Christian. Therefore, you see, most Christians, they're unhappy, sad people because they're trying to live the Christian life, and it's not something we can do. You've got to get that one. Until you get that one, you won't be walking in His glory too much. Um, anyways, here's another favorite verse on grace. Acts 20, verse 32. Everybody with me? Y'all have heard all this stuff many times. This is sort of a re- repeat, sort of refoundation. It says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That's another one of my favorites. Paul spent three years with the Ephesian Christians. And then he was leaving them and basically said, Listen, I'm gone. Goodbye. You'll never see me. He said down the verse, You'll never see my face again. He knew he was off and he was going to wind up in prison in Rome. So, so, you know, he loved those people. He cared for them. So I'm going to give you the thing that's going to keep you and take you the rest of the way home. And it's God and the Word of His grace. And he says there's two things about grace. Number one is able to build you up. Okay, and that word in the Greek means renovate. Paul was saying to these people, listen, you are going to have difficulties in your life. There are storms that are coming. There's things that are going to come that's going to bother you, hurt you, mess with you. But God's grace is the thing that comes in right on the heels of the difficulties and the trials of life, and it fixes it. It fixes you. It heals you. That's what inner healing and all those kind of things, really what they really are is the grace of God going down into your heart and fixing the messed up places in your heart. And that's one of the things that Paul says it does. Another thing he says, you know, he says it's able to give you an inheritance in Christ. Everybody, you know, the popular teachings today in the churches, what is my purpose? You know, what is my destiny? Those are great teachings, but Paul clearly says the grace of God is what will bring you into your purpose. The grace of God is what will bring you into your destiny. And apart from the grace of God, I'm talking a revelation of grace. I'm not talking about just having some head knowledge. You will never come into your purpose. You will spend your life beating your head against the wall, and your purpose could be right before you, and you'll miss it. But the grace of God opens your eyes up to your purpose. It opens your eyes up to what God has for you. causes you to embrace the things that God has for you. That's what it does. Instead of wanting something that Venus has got, oh, there's Venus. I've got to have what Venus has got. She's a great person. Let me have what you've got, Venus. Give me what you've got. Venus says, I don't want to give it to you. And that's why we are as Christians. Instead of the grace of God says, it's not Venus, it's Rosa. She's got what you got. Won't. Do you? <laughs> I'm not trying to be too crazy here. 
I'm just saying the grace of God is what will bring you into the thing that you seek and desire. Paul said it. I'm just sort of making a point that Paul made. All right, the last one. The la- I mean, not the last, last one, but the last one I got. <sighs> Titus 2, 11 through 12. I can preach on grace. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So what it's telling you here is this. Listen. People, people say some of the dumbest things about this grace thing. Well, you... You know, if it's, if it's grace, then, you know, I, you know, I can sin. Isn't that what Paul said in Romans? Should we sin that grace might abound? People say that stuff. I had somebody who just fell away from the Lord saying, what about the grace of God? Won't it be there for me if I come back? I said, yeah, it will, if you make it back. But it's this period between when you ain't under the grace of God, and when you're living under darkness, when you're living under the satanic rule. But, you know, here's the way life is. Look at life like this. Life's like a, a path, a road. And on each side of the path, there's two things that look like ditches. Think about a road in the natural, okay? But those ditches are really deep. They're pits, and they're just long. One of them is religion, okay? The other one is, is uh, religion and legalism. The other one is lawlessness. And the road in between is grace, and so this is what, how, where we err as Christians. We either err over here in religion or we err over here in lawlessness. Neither are acceptable. The grace of God says, no, you don't have to sin. No, you don't have to do that. There's power to overcome sin. There's power to overcome temptation. That's what grace does for you. It teaches you this is the way you live your life. God wouldn't be doing no sinning, would He? No. And that's really you know, what grace does. Grace initiates something in us. Grace does something in us. And it enables us to stand when God really wants to release His glorious presence to people. And isn't that really what we're... You know, our goal is God's glorious presence in the earth, right? We're seeking for that. We're seeking for the presence of God. And we're wanting it. And the grace of God is what holds us. Well, now let's switch into the glory thing a little bit. Isaiah 60, verse 1 through 3. It says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of of your rising. So you see, that's the intention of God, is to have a people that He can put His glory on. And the world around these people will see the glory of the Lord on those people and be attracted to it. Now, isn't that what the Lord really wants to do? Isn't that how God really wants to save people? It's for the glory of God to rest on the people. But you see, if you don't have the grace of God operating, when God's glory comes, you may get into pride. And what does the pride say? What the Bible says, pride comes before the fall. You'll fall. That's why we've seen so many people fall uh, in life. You know, so really what the glory does is it attracts people, okay, to you 
And what you have to give those people is the grace of God. It's like a magnet. They see something. They're drawn to it. They don't know what they're drawn to. They just see God. They're not sure what they're seeing. They're not sure what they're experiencing. And when they get to you, you have the grace of God. You have the power of God operating in you. That's what you really have to give them. It's not you. It's God. You start thinking it's you, you're going to be messed up. Are you all with me? So you see how grace, grace and glory work together. In one sense, grace precedes glory, but in another sense, glory precedes grace. I mean, honestly... The thing, and I've told you this before, the thing that really had the biggest impact in my life was one day God, in a teeny tiny way, revealed Himself to me. And it impacted me. It made me, Lord, I will do anything for you. I will give my life totally for this. Because suddenly for a brief moment in my heart, I, with my spiritual eyes and my whole self, I experienced God in a much greater way thing that I've ever experienced in any other time. And what it did to me is it, this was it. You have my life. I'm sold out to you. I'll do whatever you want me to do with your life if I can just get back to that. If I can just get back to that presence. I mean, I was like a drug addict. You know, you know, a crack addict will, you know, steal from their mama to get, you know, money for crack. Well, I was suddenly addicted to God's presence. And God has meant for us to be that. You know, the crack thing is just a, you know, it's a, it's a uh, demonic counterpart. Now, uh, here's a couple of verses that the church... See, what we've got to do as, a, as people, we've got to get back to who God is and how wonderful God is and how wonderful He really is. And we need to realize there's two worlds. There's a, a world of darkness and there's a world of light. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And they are right around us all the time. There's a, and we're just sort of in this little natural world. And we've got all our vision about our jobs and about how we look and everything when there's something much greater at stake. And what God wants to do is sort of start rolling back and let us begin to see into the spiritual realm and begin to get touched by that spiritual realm. That way we're not just people who are living on the earth. So here's a great one, Daniel 7, 9 through 10. This is, Daniel has some tremendous visions. and He said, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Day was seated. Ancient of Days. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. Now that's God he's talking about. Daniel saw God. He saw a throne. That thing is real. We may not see it this morning, but it's real. That thing should be affecting our lives. That there's this God who's got hair white, and He's on a throne up there somewhere in the spiritual realm called heaven. And it's real and it's alive, and it should be affecting us now. We shouldn't just be carnal, natural Christians. We need to be people who believe and live out of that place. And then He says, uh, "You know, He's a white-haired guy, pure wool." His throne was a fiery flame. Now, that was what he was seeing. Fire from heaven. You see, there's fire in hell. That's the bad fire. But there's fire in heaven. There's a good fire. There's a God's fire that God wants to release. His throne is like fire. Can you imagine? Listen, think about it. This guy, you're sitting on a chair this morning. He's sitting on fire this morning. That's what his seat's made of is fire. 
It said a fiery stream. Well, it says it was like a fiery flame, and its wheels a burning fire. And it's, I don't know what that means, wheels. It said a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A fiery stream goes out from God. And see, God wants that fiery stream to affect our lives. He wants that thing to break into our world because that's what the world is. That's the glory of God, the fire of God coming on people and touching people and changing people. And it says, uh, and a thousand thousands ministered to Him. That's a lot of angels. A thousand thousand. What's that, a million? Come on. Yeah, a million. A million angels right there. Slam a million angels in heaven. That's a lot of people, a million people. Can you imagine that? These are a million angels right there, ministering to the Lord. Then it says 10,000 times 10,000 stood before Him. I don't know who these 10,000 were, but that's a bunch more people. Or souls, or angels, whatever they were, those 10,000, they weren't ministering, they were just standing before Him, you know. And then it says the courts were seated and the door, books were open. See, so you see, there's this real thing. I'm telling you, this is real, what I just read to you. What you watch on television is not necessarily real. In fact, Probably what most of the stuff you hear on the news at night is probably not the truth. It's skewed. This is more real than what you're going to find on the news. A lot of the TV shows you watch are not real at all. They're just actors. But we get all involved in that stuff and believe in that stuff and think about it, and then they do shows about shows. They do. I was watching one yesterday, a show about a show. But this is real. This is what we need to be connected into. This is what God has for us. He doesn't want us just to be stuck in, sh- in something that's not real and then we watch a, uh, another show to tell us about this not real show that we're watching. That's just crazy. I think this is insane. I'm watching a show about a show. Well, then in Daniel 10, verse 6, somebody's going to have to help me with this. Who's a chemist in here? Or a, what is, how do you study? His body was like beryl. Is that right? Is that how you say that? His face like the appearance of lightning. How many times do we think about God? How many times do we think about, we start beginning to see, there's a real God. There's a real God who's got a face that looks like lightning. That's what He looks like. He's real. He's alive. He's, he's not just stuck way over there in the corner somewhere and one day the world will come in and He's going to show up. He's not doing that. His eyes like torches of fire. Can you imagine a person walking in a room and their eyes are like torches? There's fire. When you look in their eyes, all you see is fire. That's what, that's what Daniel was seeing. This guy's eyes are on fire. Well, I have to be honest with you. <laughs> I was, Tuesday night when we were praying, I saw this person. And what I saw was flames shooting out of their eyes. I thought, what, what does that mean, Lord? I'd never thought about that. Then I remembered in Revelation it says two times his eyes like flames of fire. And then I thought, well, I need to go back and look in the Bible and see what it says about this. I really never thought about the river of God being a fire like Daniel describes it. I always thought about just being water. I'm, I'm into the water thing. River of life fellowship. It's a stream. But maybe that stream is supposed to be really fire. Maybe that's what it really is. Maybe it's not water like we think. Maybe it's fire. Maybe there's a water aspect to it. But then there may be a time when God said, no, now's the time it's going to be fire. It's not a time of refreshing, it's a time of burning. I don't know, you know, but I'm, I'm you know, thinking this is important here. 
his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color. In other words, bronze that had been put in intense heat, burnished. That's what burnished means. And the sound of his words like the voice, the voice of a multitude. Now, I don't know about you, but this is one thing you can really tell when God's really moving. And there's different levels, there's different times when God does different things. You know, sometimes God wants things dialed back on a natural plane because he's really trying to reach into our hearts on a heart level. But then there's other times when God really stirs up things. There's this noise, and that word that says multitude there in the, in the Hebrew, the voice of a, a multitude, there's another definition of that. It means clamor, a voice of a clamor, where there's this noise that happens, and you hear this sound, and you know the people that are producing this sound cannot produce that type of sound apart from something else. And that's what, when you know God's in the house. There's a clamor in the house. And you don't always hear that, but you, you can ask the Lord, Lord, let me, give me some ears to be able to hear. When you really are doing something, I can begin to hear that clamor from heaven. Three or four people praying, and you hear this clamor, not, just, not a loudness, but a clamor that's in their voices. It's God that's on them. That means God's there. That's one of the ways to recognize He's there and respond to Him. That's what Daniel was saying. His voice was like the voice of a multitude or a voice of a clamor. It's not like the voice of a telephone. And see, what this does to a person when we begin to experience the Lord like this, this is the thing that will set you apart to the Lord. This is the thing that will get you thinking, man, I ain't got time to sin. I don't have time to do that. I don't want to do that because there's this fiery man that has revealed himself to me and touched me we don't have a vision for that stuff. We're like what Paul says in Romans about the Jews. We're so consumed with our God projects that we forget that there's a God there. And we're just blowing down the road, and when He shows up, we want to knock Him out of the way. Move, I don't have time for you. Who are you? You're in my way. That's the way we are. But God wants to reveal His fiery presence to people and come on people because we don't have a chance. Otherwise, listen, <laughs> this is sort of interesting. Y'all, anybody get Parade Magazine? It comes with the Charlotte Observer. Y'all know what that is? Parade Magazine. Does anybody know what that is? I'm daggone, man. I'm thinking, is I only get this stuff? For some reason, I was looking, you know, in the back of it, they have one of these book clubs. I was looking at the books. I was interested. I never look at stuff like this. But I was looking at the different kinds of books. Aside from the assorted cookbooks, people are very interested in cooking in America. So I'm trying to, what's going on in our world? People like to cook. There's lots of cookbooks here. People are very into sex and having good sex. Lots of how-to books on sex, you know. Then there's a few novels, but listen to some of these other books, the titles of them. The Secret Man, Everything You Need to Know About the Paranormal, Miracle, Faithless, Vanish, Immoral, Moral, The Brother, Origin and Death, All Your Worth, Dictionary of Superstitions, The Five People You Meet in Heaven. I, I, I think, who is that? <laughs> the Five People You Meet in Heaven. Mm. Love Signs. That tells me something. People are very spiritual and very interested in spiritual things. People are hungry for spiritual things. I was also watching, y'all think I watch a lot of TV, I actually don't. 
But I just didn't feel good yesterday, so I was going to watch some golf. You know, you get bored watching it, so you just flip over to other stuff. And there's this thing called X Games. Y'all familiar with X Games? They bikers. They were doing the bikes. I mean, just doing crazy stuff on these bikes. But really what fascinated me about the X Games was the commercials. Okay, because the commercials are geared towards young guys. It's what they're... Because, you know, young guys are the ones that want to do the flips on bikes and stuff. There's not many girls... But all these commercials, this is one thing I noticed about all these commercials. Very aggressive guys. Very aggressive. Fighting. You know, like one, these guys were just punching each other out. I mean, the whole commercial is about them hitting each other who got the last hit. And I've realized, there's a, when I was a kid, when I was growing up, we were sort of a violent until we got, you know, got up in early teens when the hippie thing came in and it became peace-loving. You know, we went through this peace thing. But now, I believe you, what you're seeing on young people, you're seeing this aggression come on young people. Young people are aggressive. I watched this thing a few weeks ago about these kids out in Vegas. That they had this club, this fighting club. They would just beat the fool out of each other. I mean, they almost killed a guy. And it was a big deal, you know, trying to get this person, these groups per- prosecuted. They were just like, you know, this is what we do. And I realized, this is what's happening in our society. These kids are angry. They're upset. Then we got these older people like me, this old maid. They're sort of interested in, you know, the paranormal. And there, there's a spiritual hunger out there. And we, we have what we need. If we would let that person that's up there who, who can deal with the violence, who can deal with people's hunger, if we could become people that have the fire of God in our lives, we would have an answer for them. We would have an answer for violence and aggressive teenage guys. We would have a, an answer for these, you know, middle-aged people who are looking for spiritual answers to their empty life that they don't feel like the church gives them. And I don't blame them. If I was one of them, I'd be the same way. I'd be reading these books trying to get some answers. I wouldn't want to be going to the... I'd want something that's real. I want something real. Supernatural's got to be real and powerful. So we see what we need is we need the fire of God as much as we need the grace of God. They both go together is what I'm trying to tell you this morning. Now, here's another great scripture. Just sort of running out of time here. Exodus 33, verse 15 through 19. This is a famous, famous scripture. Then, this is Moses praying. This, he's talking to the Lord about them leaving you know, Egypt and going, doing that, what they were going to do. And then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found, listen to this, grace in your sight, except you go with us? Now that's how, you know, I can walk in a revelation of grace. You can sit there and look at me all day long and be bored with what I'm saying to you. And I may be on the inside of one of the most joyous and fulfilled people in the world that I've got God, I've got a revelation. It's wonderful, but to you, it's no revelation. It's the same stuff you've heard other people preach, but it's not real to you. And that's what Moses was saying. Listen, God, what's going to make them know we've got the grace of God operating in our life? What's going to draw them people to us? What's going to attract us? What's going to separate us? That's what he was asking God. Except you go with us. So we shall be separate, your people and I from all the people who are from the, upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. He said, please show me your glory. 
I want, you know, Lord, reveal your glory to me. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. It goes on. But so Moses had a real inkling of what I've just talking to you about this morning. Lord, you obviously, we really have the grace of God on us, but, and we know it, but everybody else doesn't know it. So how are they going to know it? Well, the Lord, Lord, what we need is your fire on us. Because for some reason, you have designed the spiritual world to operate like that. People recognize the fire. They'll recognize it. They may not understand it, but they will know there's something about this that's real. And I'm going after it. That's why you can go to somebody who's just as messed up as the day is long, and you may know it, but they got the fire of God on them. You don't give a hoot. It's not them you're going after. It's the fire you're going after. You see what I'm saying? It's not them. It's the fire. But what God wants, He don't want people being messed up. He wants people to bear His fire. They're not messed up. Who are walking in grace who have a revelation of grace, who are walking in purity, who are walking in holiness. Walking in power. That's what he wants. And he, then he wants to release this fire on them. And when people come to him, they just like, yeah, get in on it, man. I can give you the fire. I've got it. Because anything we got, we can basically give it away. This is, you know, uh, so here's the thing is, I think what we've got to do is exactly like Moses is. Moses pray, Lord. We've got to have your presence. Got to. Give it to us. You know, your kingdom come. This is what the message Bible says on that. You know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. He says, our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Reveal who you are. We need to pray that. Lord, reveal who you are to me. Let me start getting this revelation like Daniel had. Reveal who you are. Then he, at the end of it, he said this. This is how Peterson in the Message Bible, you're a blaze in beauty. You're a blaze in beauty. See, we don't think about God like that. You're a blaze in beauty. You're on fire with beauty, Lord. We don't think about that stuff. We're so busy occupied with our Christian stuff, our church stuff, our calling stuff, that we've forgotten to get the fire in our life. And we need the fire. We desperately need the fire. It's what God has ordained for us. And we should say, we will not settle for anything less. Because it is what you have. It is the Word of God. Paul had the grace of God operating in his life in a tremendous way. But he also had the fire of God operating in his life. Peter had the grace of God. He had the fire of God. We need both. And I believe, you know, personally speaking, I believe the Gospel of John is a book that reveals how we can walk in it. That's what I believe about it. I've studied the Gospel of John, and it's right from verse 51 in chapter 1 on. The rest of the book is like, this is, this is the kingdom of God. This is what it looks like. This is what the glory looks like. This is what the fire looks like. And this is how you can walk it out in your life. You take the Gospel of John and you study it. You can start right there at that verse. Nathaniel, you're going to see it. And the rest of the book is about that one statement. Let me read it to you. I'm serious about this. I've been holding back on you on it. 
I am real serious about it. I didn't put it up there because I wasn't. Matthew Mark, where's John at? Does anybody know where John is? Get so used to doing everything. I found it. It's John, verse 51. John 1, verse 51. This is Jesus said. He said to him, Jesus said to him, this is talking about Nathaniel, Most assuredly I say to you, hereafter, hereafter, you shall see the heaven open. You shall see heaven open. And the angels of God ascended and descended upon the Son of Man. That's what he said. And then, chapter 2 of the Gospel of John, Jesus, the first thing he does, he goes to a wedding and he turns water into wine. And the rest of the book is one thing right here. Some are spectacular things, wonderful things. Some of them are things that you've got. If you don't have spiritual eyes, you'll miss them. God wants us to see this. He won't, because he didn't just do it just for Nathaniel. He done it, did it for all of us, for everybody. As, as I read in the very first few verses, we open ourselves to God. We find this door open to us already. And we see miracles. We see God. It's already open to us. The problem is, it's not that God's door is shut to us. Our doors are shut to Him. And we don't see, but it's not because He doesn't want us to see. It's because we for whatever reason, have the door closed in our life. And this is the way it really happens many times. All you see is a crack, but you see some light around the crack, and you know, I'm going through that door. You know what I'm saying? I'm going through it. God speaks one tiny little thing, and you realize that's the crack. There's light on the other side of that door. I'm going through there. You understand what I'm saying to you this morning? And then you step into revelation. You step into what, however God wants to express you know, Himself and express the spiritual realm to us. Now, this is what we want to be doing here. That's what I want to be doing. That's what I'm going after. That's how I spend my, you know, my time thinking about this stuff. And I think that's how we all can. So when you sit down and read the Bible, hey, Lord, listen, I don't need a bunch of doctrine. Doctrine is good. Let's study some doctrine. You know, maybe at CSM, you know, maybe nobody will fail. <laughs> nobody has ever failed out of CSM. That's an important thing to do, but oh, I would rather have the fire of God than doctrine. Uh, it's just, I'm just being honest with you. I want to get some doctrine. I study the Bible. But I need God. I need that person who's on fire to touch my life. Because if he touches me, something's going to happen to me. I might be knowing some doctrine after he finishes with me. The fire comes. Amen? So let's just pray and ask the Lord this morning about this. Let's just ask the Lord. Anybody, you know, Lord, is there any candidates this morning for the fire? And I'm not talking about hype fire. I don't believe in hype fire, you know, that fake stuff that people try to generate. I'm talking about real fire. Lord, what, what do you need to release the fire in my life? What needs to happen? What's your word? Anybody, is there any candidates in this room for that this morning? Just raise your hand. So that's important. Because that's what God has for you. And for the rest of you, that's what He has for you. <laughs> you know, He has it all for all of us. That's the wonderful thing. What you're going to do is, by faith, open your door to God. Lord, I'm going to open my door to you. Whatever that means. And God puts 
flesh on that kind of stuff. He helps you flesh it out. Amen? So, Lord, we just want to pray right now and say that's what we want. We want that person, that man, that man who's ablaze with beauty, the glorious Son of God, the glorious fiery man who wants to come and burn things away in our life that don't need to be there and, and set us on fire, Lord. Lord, I just pray right now for a revelation of grace for people who don't have it this morning. I mean, talking about a real revelation of the grace of God. Lord, we desperately need that. And, we, and for those of us who have it, that we'd go further in it. We wouldn't stop. We'd continue, continue in grace. We'd grow in the grace through knowledge of Christ. And Lord, for those of us this morning who need fire in our lives, I just who want fire, Lord, I pray you just let them receive it. In Jesus' name. Won't you stand up and raise your hands if you want to? Lord, you see people's hands raised to you right now, Lord. And Lord, what we want to do is we want to release the fire from heaven to come into our hearts, Lord, and our minds, Lord. So I'm asking you right now, Lord, to release the fire. Every person that's got their hands raised, every person has a sincere desire in their heart. Those of us who don't, release it anyway, Lord. And I see grace coming on a person who really don't even particularly care. Just release it, Lord. Just release it right now. Every person in this room, Lord, just... Lord, our, our nation needs it. Lord, Your Word says there's a darkness that's coming that's incredibly dark. But You said, Arise and shine, for Your light has come. And Lord, we want to let that light to rest on us, Lord. And Lord, we want to have the grace of God in us to keep us from falling, keep us from being enamored with ourselves, Lord Jesus. Do it, Lord. Lord, I pray for people right now in this room who who need to see who need help who need angelic visitation lord i pray for them right now that you send angels to visit them lord you said your angels were messengers of fire lord bring those angels into our life that's got that fire that would just bring that fire and touch us with it lord do that lord do that lord i pray for those people this morning who are just suffering with unbelief lord burn that unbelief out of their life lord give them believing hearts lord jesus Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let the gospel, the gospel of power, the gospel of kingdom that Paul talked about be released, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, you set this world spinning. You set the earth to spin. You set it on a course, Lord. And that course doesn't deviate unless you deviate it, Lord. Lord, you have held all things up by the power of your word, Lord. And I believe, Lord, that I believe the Lord, this is what I believe the Lord, the Lord saying something to somebody here this morning that He did just like He, the earth, if the earth deviated a half degree, it would start wobbling and fall out of orbit and we'd all die tragically. We wouldn't even know what hit us. So the Lord is saying that He is able to keep the earth spinning on its axis, rotating on its axis, revolving around the sun. He's able to do that. And nothing can move it. He's saying to you, if you will entrust yourself to Him, He will do that in your life. He's doing that in your life already. He can keep things for you that you cannot keep for yourself. 
He wants to release the knowledge of that into your heart in a fresh way. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, do that for whoever's in here this morning that feels afraid, Lord. And I also wanted us to pray for, pray for the sick today. So if we could get some... I wanted us to pray for Pat, Van Heineken. Maybe somebody can come up and stand in for Victoria.